You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Today for our podcast interviewee, we have Gabe Grant for appraisal. Gabe, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, so Gabe and I have a background. Uh, he and I work together in concrete every day. I don't know very much, so he does most of the heavy lifting. But I did learn something about Gabe uh, when we started working together that he used to do appraisal work, and he still does it on the side. And kind of a light bulb went off in my head that this is somebody we need to interview. So I don't want to keep telling about your background. Gabe, if you want to take a minute and tell us what you've been doing uh, since you got out of school and, and how you got into appraisal. Well, you basically said it there just uh, real quickly, but went into uh, the appraisal business somewhat under my, my father's business. And since then, I have ventured into the concrete side of things, but I still enjoyed the business and enjoyed several aspects of it. So I kept some contacts and continued to do them on the side. So just so I'm clear and our listeners are clear, what are you appraising? Are you appraising just residential real estate, single family homes? Yes, sir. That's correct. Because of my license, I simply do residential properties. I can do some commercial properties depending on what the report is used for, but that might be getting into uh, a few of your other questions. So basically, yes, to answer your question is uh, basically vacant property and single family residential homes. Can you walk us through the appraisal process? So uh, who contacts you? Is it your typical customer, a bank, or is it a person, or who is it? You kind of have to uh, back into it. You have to see what the report will be used for. I basically get contacted from bank if the appraisal is being used for a transaction or they are backing up, papering their files. I get contacted by individuals that may be wanting to sell their homes or also for tax purposes. And then I also get contacted by by lawyers and stuff. We do a lot of estate properties. Okay. So say the bank calls you. I mean, is that, would you say your typical customer banks usually email you? They do just because, uh, because I do it part-time. I don't, I don't promote anything basically. So the banks actually, since 2006, no longer contact me directly. Uh, appraisal management companies do. Oh, gotcha. So the bank sends a email to an appraisal central management company, and then they kind of sub you out. That is correct. Yeah. All right. And so once you get that email, what do you do with it? I mean, you just uh, you have to go out to the site, take pictures, uh, write a report. I mean, is that kind of the gist of it? Basically, you see what type of report they're looking for, and you, you do visit the property most of the time. There are some that you call desk reviews. You do not even have to uh, physically go to the property. You would go to the property, do the proper research online through different means of somewhat public record and or interviews with the client on the property, and then you form that into a report. What do you collect in revenue on average for a single property? Single property, they uh, depending on the type of the report again, they range anywhere from two hundred to I would say three fifty to three seventy five. Gotcha. Do you think that varies by region, or is that kind of a standard? I would imagine that it's a pretty standard process, whether you do it in the city or rural. Or I'm under the impression that it is pretty standard, simply because one of the governing organizations over the appraisals, the appraisal board, is actually it is a law that you have to do them as, I think it's called customary and 
proper fees. If it does vary, I wouldn't imagine it being being more than 10%. How long does it take you to go through a, a single property and appraise it? If it is a, a new property I've never done before, I will typically pull it up. I'm a member of the Georgia MLS, the multi-listing system, to where I have a, a lot of great resources. But I would pull it up online, study the property for 5 to 15 minutes, take a, a trip to the property. If I have to do a full inspection on the property, it would take 30 minutes or less majority of the time. If it is a, a 2055, or what's called a, an exterior-only property, I would not even have to physically get out of my vehicle. So depending on where the property is located from my office, it would, you know, I would allow maybe 30 to 45 minutes travel. And then once I get back and start forming the report, it generally would take me probably around an hour to three hours, depending on the property. So it's about 30 minutes of physical work on the property and then just a couple hours outside of that. Correct. So adding that up between the, the prep, the driving, the on-site work, and then the report, it could be anywhere from two and a half to four and a half hours. Uh, and I'm just guessing, but you gave us the range of 200 to 350 per job. Would you say that the the time frame, so the the lower time frame, you get about 200 per job, and the higher time frame, you get 30, uh, 350 per job? You could probably say that. However, when you do form relationships with your, your clients after you've been in it for a, a long time, a lot of the properties that they were sending me the request on, I've done within the past two to five to 10 years. And so I already have a lot of the legwork done. I have sat down and done a complete report in, say, 30 minutes. I compared that two and a half and four and a half hour range to the 200 to 350 per job. And it looks like 80 to $100 per hour. I mean, right off the bat, that sounds pretty solid. It is. So what about operating expenses? I mean, obviously it takes gas to, to get out to the property. Um, there's probably a fee to maintain your license. I mean, what, what do you have to pay to be able to continue being an appraiser? First off, I guess you'd say that uh, the overhead cost is very minimal. If you have a, a good computer and everyone has a cell phone with a camera on it in their pocket, uh, the only other thing you kind of need out physically looking at the property would be a a tape measure to measure the, mm -hmm. the home, uh, like I said, a camera and a notepad to take notes on. So that cost is very minimal. Uh, there is uh, 14 hours of continuing education required uh, yearly, and those courses run anywhere from 75 to $120 per course, per seven-hour course. And then your licensing fee renewal every year is, uh, I think it's $115 in Georgia. It could be different in uh, other states. Other than that, I do carry E&O insurance. I think it's anywhere from 650 to $700 annually. That is not required, depending on the type of work you do. Uh, I do work for appraisal management companies, and they do require it, so I carry it. No, I think that's a good decision. What about someone looking to enter this market? How much would it cost for them to get their license, to get the initial courses and training and take the test? Okay, so yes, there is uh, several hours of uh, required coursework. I think it's somewhere around 400 hours of, of coursework, the best I can remember. I think that it ran upwards of $2,000. On top of that, you do have to do uh, an apprenticeship under a certified residential or a certified general appraiser, for which you get paid for, uh, but you do have to log your, log your hours and all for that. And then there is a proctored exam, I think, and it was uh, probably about 150 bucks. 
So I think the initial barriers to get in 2000, maybe 2,500 all in is not that much, but it's still, you know, significant if, if you're not going to take it seriously. And then, uh, but I think from the time perspective, the apprenticeship, especially you said two years, that's a big barrier to keep people just looking to make a quick buck out. So anyone willing to get through those barriers, I look at your annual cost. It's less than a thousand for its overhead and you have insurance and you're going to make 80 to a hundred per hour part-time. I mean, I think if you can get past those barriers, it's an excellent, excellent market. You can. There are uh, there are requirements. Uh, you do have to have bachelor's degree uh, in order to just start the whole process. They changed that in 2005. I think that was simply just to create some barriers. But other than that, it's a wide open field. Gabe, you mentioned that you do this as a side job. Realistically, how many houses are you able to to get to? I mean, how how substantial is this side income for you? Right now, I would probably average one and a half to two reports a week. I turned down that many also, but that is just uh, when I did move into the uh, concrete business, I only kept one one of my best clients, the turnaround time on them, as they're just real good to work for. So if you were to go out and uh, go after this market, I think that you would realistically, you could be able to do 10 a week, two a day at least. So from a part-time perspective, uh, if someone has a full-time job, uh, and I know your job really maximizes hours, you're putting in 10 to 12 a day, uh, and even then you're able to do two per week on the side, uh, two per week, uh, somewhere around 300 per, per report, that's 600 per week. Um, you know, that's pretty significant bringing in an, an extra two and a half thousand per month, uh, or even 20 to 30,000 a year. So, uh, I think this is nothing to, to snub your nose at if, if people are really considering a side job. The only disadvantage I have, you know, like you said, was I'm, I'm pretty tied up during the day, um, which takes me out of that, uh, 325 to 375 ballpark on a lot of them. Uh, because I I just can't make the appointments with the homeowners. They don't want anybody there at seven o'clock at night, um, understandably. So I would say that uh, you could really turn out at least two to a week and then not have any problems. You mentioned that you don't do any marketing, which is a little surprising considering some a lot of these businesses are competitive and and you have to fight to get market share. So how exactly do you get listed and, and how is it that you're just getting calls without you really doing anything? Well, I did do this full time, uh, for about five years and that's kind of how I got my name out, uh, with this one good client that I'm still with. Also in this area, I guess you could say it's somewhat of a family business. My father did it and, uh, my grandfather did it also. And they've been around for years and years. My license number is 311730, and my father's license number is 20. So <laughs> he said in the first uh, state exam that uh, Georgia actually did, and uh, I guess just in our region and our area that uh, fortunately we kind of uh, became known without having to push much. Gabe, I'm looking at the high dollar per hour, and I think that's very attractive. But at the same time, Sebastian and I do real estate investing, and I think there's also some value to be had by actually knowing and having a really good handle of the value of properties in your area and also having access to properties quickly. I don't know if you get to see properties before they hit the MLS or um, just having a good network of, of 
with bankers and uh, real estate professionals. Uh, would you agree with that? Or do you know anybody that does take advantage of appraising and using them for their real estate investing purposes? Unfortunately, I believe it's it's kind of the opposite. Uh, we only get the phone calls until it's it's already too late. We do have a, a wide network that we uh, we work with as far as bankers and uh, with the MLS and such. But uh, everything that is done behind the scenes, we have no part of that. The only other aspect I see on that is uh, it is actually considered unethical, I guess, as far as uh, we can't appraise anything that we own or we're not even really supposed to appraise anything that we have direct relationships with the owners with. As um, like insider trading. It, it's somewhat the same, same scenario, I guess. Okay. Well, I've got my real estate license and I'm an investor, so I'm, I'm just going to stop thinking about being an appraiser, I guess. You, you kind of rained on my parade. There are a lot of uh, salespersons and appraisers. And uh, what does is, what is a good candidate look like if there are people listening that says, uh, this does seem like something I'd want to do? What would you describe would be the necessary abilities they need? Someone that's just kind of interested in, in the market around them. I think the more that you do know about the market, the easier it makes your job. Someone that can uh, pick up on some computer skills real well. That's one thing that has made my job very, very much uh, doable, especially at night and everything. Uh, everything is so readily accessible on the Internet, and all the information you need is right there, except for the actual physical inspection of the property. So someone that could pick up on those skills and someone with a little bit of drive. Once you get the request in, unless you work for a brokerage, then it's it's all you. You just got to go get up and go do it. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is regarding scale. So obviously you're limited by the number of hours you have in a day if you're a single person trying to uh, do this on the side. I mean, if you want to turn this into a full-time job and really try to make some money doing it, is the solution to that to start a brokerage or is there a way to to have people work under you in a way or how do you scale this business? There are, there are uh, brokerages. Anyone that has uh, a higher certification license than, than me is actually considered a, a supervisor appraiser. And there are several people that uh, just haven't taken the final steps and they're just a, a registered appraiser. Uh, so they can do some things, but they can't do full reports. And so they go and uh, get jobs under uh, some of these supervising appraisers. And there are firms out there that have as many as and 20 registered appraisers working for them and then they simply sit there and just review view everything that goes out of the office can you sell a business if you have a brokerage or do you not ever see that i personally have never seen that because everything is personally licensed to you i don't know if that's even possible to tell you the truth okay uh kind of hit you with a different outside the box thought here again is it possible to be a passive broker? Do you know any brokers that are completely hands-off, retired, and uh, just have their, their appraisers working under them? Once again, I do not. Because your signature has to be on everything that goes out, and you are liable for everything that is done, I don't see that happening myself. Is it possible to have uh, to be an appraiser and then also a real estate agent? Could you have multiple of these real estate licenses uh, as a single individual? Yes, you can. It's just a, a little bit of gray area as far as uh, when you are acting as a, an agent or acting as an appraiser. 
earlier we asked you about the revenue per job and Gabe, you know me, I, I love to break things down and, and talk about segments and niches. Have you seen profitable niches or do you, and, and that's if you want to share yours, I don't, maybe you don't want to reveal your secret, but uh, we're looking for niches that are highly profitable and suitable for people, either part-time or, you know, full-time, or is there a difference in this or is appraising just appraising? No, you can definitely find uh, find those niches uh, in this area. One of the ways that actually my father got so big into it was there are tons and tons of poultry farms in this area. And he went in there and just broke it down until it was just clockwork for him. And fortunately, there were loans being made almost daily for a while in this area. And that's how he got his biggest start. Me personally, I guess you could say mine would be the uh, 2055 drive-bys, simply because I don't don't have to make appointments um, and vacant land. And as you can tell, they are pretty profitable considering the amount of time that I have to put in them. No, I think that's a good answer. And I, you know, if you're looking to not make it a full-time job, I think there's a lot of small niches that that you could get into that. Uh, you know, maybe there's only a few jobs a week, but if you're doing it part-time, you could hit those few jobs and, and get a high profitability on a low volume. And, and that's perfectly fine for a lot of people. So I think that's excellent. Thanks. Well, let's move on to our big questions. What's the one piece of advice you would give listeners wanting to enter this market? Uh, the one piece of advice I would give someone going into it would be probably find a good person for your apprenticeship just right off the bat. That's going to be the biggest bridge to cross. Good advice. What are some of the good resources you can recommend? Uh, let's say one of our listeners wants to get into this this area. Is there a website or a, uh, a tutorial or something that they can, a blog they can follow to learn more about it? And in Georgia, of course, the Georgia Real Estate Commission has a, a website and it has everything from the steps that you have to take to become an appraiser to it's the same website for renewing your license. It has all of the approved appraiser schools. You know, it, it has uh, actually broken down everything that you legally have to have. And so I would say that's probably one of the best resources. Great. And obviously that varies by state. I'm sure every state has a similar website or an equivalent website. So good resource there. Thanks, Gabe, for everything you've given us uh, today. It's all great advice. Uh, is there some way our listeners can reach you if they have a question or just want to reach out and have a conversation? Sure, they can email me. That's the best way to get a hold of me. My email address is Gabe Grant, G-A-B-E-G-R-A-N-T at M-Y-E-M-C dot net. Thanks, Gabe. That's great advice. And uh, I think everybody here is going to agree that that's a great market. And uh, you gave us a lot of good info for people who want to pursue it more. So uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, guys. So that was a, a great interview with Gabe Grant in the residential appraisal business. Henry, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to talk about a little bit about the pros that I saw. Uh, some of the obvious ones is the high dollar per hour. Once you get going, eighty to one hundred dollars per hour, especially for a part time. That's that's incredible. In addition, I like the niches. Gabe talked about his niche being uh, drive by appraisals, and even though it's a lower revenue per job, he's not putting near the time in. He said about two two and a half hours per report. So uh, that's a great opportunity. Uh, lastly, I think the ability to value the competency you get is so incredible. Uh, I, I want to list it as a pro, even though it doesn't have a dollar attached to it. 
um, in business, if you can value stocks or businesses themselves or land or houses, it's just such a valuable thing to have. And, and you see things in a whole new light that I think a lot of people uh, in business don't get to see. So I, I don't want to undermine that. Uh, some of the cons, uh, it is a very high barrier to entry in terms of time. Not so much money, but time. Uh, about two years to get your apprenticeship. And lastly, it's uh, the ability to scale. Not so much scale in terms of time. You, you can scale quickly uh, by going full time, but you definitely have a limit because your time's limited. So uh, I don't know, Seabass, what do you think? You know, I'll agree with everything that you said. Uh, I think those are all good points. I think to add to kind of the pros, it has such low operating expense. I mean, it has such low overhead. Uh, once you have your license, it's something that you can, you know, you can go out and do a dozen houses over the weekend, or you can just do none at all, and, and your your costs don't fluctuate that much. They stay pretty low on an annual basis. So it could be something that works for for someone who has unpredictable hours, where they can something that they can ramp up and down as they see fit. So I, I thought that was uh, a cool element to the business. Be sure to check out the show notes for this and other episodes at bshortspodcast.com. Let us know what other businesses you'd like to learn about and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you on the next episode. You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.